0: Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening.
1: I'll be reading from Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, at this time I'd like to welcome our lead pastor, Billy Glosson, and I'm going to pray for him as we dive into Romans 12. Please join me in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this ability to come together, to worship you with other believers to dive deeper into your word, Father, I pray that you would just calm Billy's spirit, that you would give him your words that we need to hear, God. I pray that we would swallow this message and take it in and live it out throughout our week and our months and our year, God, that we would be a community marked by hope, that we would spread hope among Morganton, the surrounding communities, and all of Burke County and all of the world, Lord. Just thank you for what you've done in this body. I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. You guys can be seated. So, I hope you guys are doing well. I'm going to give Becca a second. She's got a lot going on up here. It's all good. Um, So, we mentioned in our announcements that we have connect cards, and the thing about that is if you're new, we would certainly ask Man, please fill one of those out. We would love to get connected with you. If you're just wanting to get more information about Quorum Deo, that's a great way to do it. Um, But if you look at that card, there's a section on it that says, I'm interested in. It says, I'm interested in, and there's a whole slew of things that you might be interested in underneath that. You know, theological education, serving, learning more about who we are. But the thing that has been checked, overwhelmingly so, is finding community. That's the thing that people uh, really, really, really want, and, and have checked numerous times as they want to find community, and really that's what we're talking about today, is community. Again, we're in the midst of a sermon series called "I Love My Town," And in this series, we're examining how the gospel of Jesus Christ drives us to love our neighborhoods, to love our towns as well as the people who make up these places. And last week, we started by looking at gospel hope. That's what we want to see, right? That's what we, want. we want to see reverberating throughout our neighborhoods, across the courthouse lawn, over the Catawba River, past Lake James, across the mountain, in every holler known or forgotten, the hope of Jesus Christ. Today, we're looking at a sermon that we're calling Gospel Community for Burke County. Gospel Community. That's what we want to talk about. The community that the gospel produces. Now, here's the thing. People are struggling deeply, emphatically with feeling lonely, with feeling isolated. Even before the pandemic, right, there was a loneliness epidemic. The American Survey Center has highlighted this over and over again. How many people are struggling to find their place, to find their people? Most recently, as they've studied the pandemic and as they've kind of seen the ebbs and flows, and are projecting what it's going to look like on the back end of this thing, this is what they've said. They've said, as the pandemic recedes, the American economy will recover. Most businesses will adapt, evolve, and ultimately thrive. The future of American social life looks much bleaker. Our social circles are smaller, and friendships groups are depleted, The social recovery may take much longer, or it may not happen at all. That gets you excited, right, as we jump into this conversation about community? The landscape here is really stark. This bleak picture of community is only exacerbated when we log into social media, right? While our friendships have been waning, what we've done is we've replaced meaningful connection with digital platforms that are basically just an echo chamber for us to air our grievances or portray a false self. What happens is, at the end of our day, you're tired, you're scrolling. Inevitably, you finally set that glowing screen down in the evening and when you roll over, you're more restless and lonely than when you began to scroll. Now, this reality isn't foreign to the church either, right? No, it's, it's seeped into the church as well. It's so easy for you and for me to kind of treat the church like a club where we show up once a week, we get what we want, and then we leave for lunch without reaching out to anyone. At the heart of all reality, though, as we are living in this kind of like what I'm saying is a really bleak time, at the heart of that is a God who exists as a community. Here's what I mean. Before the creation of the world, the triune God was infinitely happy in himself. We catch a glimpse of this when Jesus prays. This is from John 17, verse 5. This is what Jesus prayed. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This eternally divine community, it's at work even in our redemption. Right? The very gospel hope we spoke about last week, the Father lovingly sends the Son. The Son willingly bears our sins, and the Spirit effectively applies Jesus' work to our hearts. We serve, friends, an infinitely glorious triune God who is an in and of Himself community. The good news for you, the good news for me, is that the community of the Trinity invites us in. The Apostle John gave this testimony in 1 John 1. He says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. What John is doing is he's summoning the hearer into fellowship with the Godhead, with the Trinity, a fellowship that he himself already enjoys. When you and I trust in Jesus, we're welcomed into this very triune community that works together to unleash unspeakable grace in our life. It's the fulfillment of a plan that was launched in eternity past. So so we've got this dichotomy, right? We've got this really bleak, stark picture of our current day and age. And we've got this unbelievable, amazing hope of a God who exists in eternal joy and community. For me, this idea that we are saved to community by a community really came to fruition in a deep-rooted community in a deep-rooted brotherhood that all started over a slice of pizza. So if you... Want to trek back to me to emo Billy with long swooping hair who was sad and mopey because he got dumped? Come with me and laugh. Right? So, this was a time when I was in deep despair. I was frustrated. I was angry. And my brother dragged me to church with him. And it was there that there was an older gentleman named Ryan who took note of my mopey state and invited me out for a slice of pizza. And when we met, this dude just gushed with enthusiasm. He couldn't help but speak about the hope of the gospel. And he told me that gratitude could help fight my depression. So I got plugged into that church. I fell in love in that church. I found a rich gospel community. At one point while I was there for almost a decade, for, for seven years of that, Every single Sunday evening, I would gather with friends and share the joy of Christian brotherhood. Every single Sunday night. And so I remember the first time Hannah and I, we seriously considered moving specifically here to Morganton. We came, we were walking the streets, we were praying about what it would look like to plant this church. I have to confess, I was hesitant to leave that rich community Because it was such a joy for me. It was such a joy for Hannah. It was such a joy for us. And we thought about leaving. And and I loved everything about that place. I loved serving there. I loved my friendships there. I delighted in the people. And it caused my heart to ache to think of leaving. But I'll never forget what Hannah said when I mentioned my hesitancy. She looked at me and said, Billy, we have to bring that here. And that, friends, is what we intend to do. We want to see a flourishing, gospel-centered community that's heralding the hope of Jesus. And for you and I to do that, to do that, we have to look back to the hope of Jesus. And we're going to look at one of the richest possible texts we could look at that, that expounds on this kind of Christian community, Romans 12. Someday, I'll be brave enough to preach the Romans in a years-long sermon series, but for now... We'll just look at part of it. Romans is one of my very favorite books in the New Testament. It's so rich. It's so beautiful. In this passage, there's 14 verses. There are no less than 30 instructions, right? So if you're one of my application people, it's like, tell me what to do. Man, you're in luck. There's 30 things here for you to do. But really what we're going to do is we're going to break it down very simply into really just two categories or really two points. The first is, Love in community. Love in community. Or, how do you and I, how do we relate to each other in the church? How do we relate to each other as the body of Christ? And the second is a community that loves. So how does that love work within us? And then how do we relate to our towns? How do we relate to each other, especially in conflict? So let's go through this passage together and let's see that it starts and it's centered on love. Love. So let's see first, love in community. Look back at the passage with me. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Paul starts right off the bat by saying, let love be genuine. And before any of us could get confused on what he means, what he's talking about when he says genuine love, he gives us lots and lots of descriptions of what this should look like. Now, this list is awesome. Like, this list rules. Brotherly and sisterly love, a zealous love, outdoing one another in honor, a love that rejoices, a love that is patient even in trials, a love that's bathed in prayer, a love that meets needs, a love that welcomes. But as you read that list, is that what you often see is true of Christians? A practical example. There's a Facebook group. It's all about life in Burke County. It's called Let's Talk Burke County. That's right. You know it. You love it. Here it is. It's a place to share news. It's a place to share information, right? It's a place to kind of just talk about the, the, the goings-on of Burke County. But what it has devolved into is basically an online fight club. I mean, it really, it has. I mean, here's why I mention it. Now, you might be like, "What?" you're kind of meddling. Yes, stay with me. See, very often, I see folks in Let's Talk Burke County, massacre each other with insults and demeaning comments. And their Facebook description reads, born-again Christian. Or they have a profile picture that says, Jesus is Lord. Now it's funny, but it's also not funny at all. See, my heart is grieved by this. Friends, that's the case when we live not as those who've been saved by a community for community, but we live for ourselves. Again, the basis for Paul's comments here in Romans 12 are rooted in the fact that you and I know the gospel, that you and I realize we were saved from God's righteous, holy wrath by His wonderful mercy we know that we are sinners saved by grace which means we have no reason none at all to think of ourselves highly again because what have we contributed to our salvation nothing nothing god owes us nothing and we have no rights before him so when we get on the echo chamber of social media or when we sit across from someone And they disagree with, say, political ideology. Maybe it's a take on a passage of Scripture. Maybe it's that they are a Steelers fan. Whatever it is, right? We can never use that as a means to elevate ourselves above anyone. Pride, friends, is the great enemy of the gospel. And it's a great danger for us as Christians. You see, when we set our minds on Christ, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, it is then our absolute delight to love others. We have a patient, enduring love. Even, even when we disagree with others. You see, because our desire isn't to win, but to bring our brother and sister to Jesus. Man, is that... Just just a side note for just a second. Has that been your heart lately, online, in person? Do you look at this other person and say, I want to bring them to Jesus? The only outdoing that we should be doing is in giving honor. We have to stop thinking that meekness and gentleness is pandering and passive. Friends, that is how Jesus describes his very heart. One of the most challenging mindsets in our day and age is individualism. We instinctively focus on the freedoms and the rights of the individual to do or to say whatever he or she chooses. And that attitude has certainly spilled into the church. Essentially, our commitment to God's people has been replaced by the idea that a church a church should serve me. The church should fulfill me. It should provide the teaching, the music, the friendship, the subculture that I want, that I desire. Yet really, this is only an expression of our sinfulness. It's a way of putting ourselves at the center of the world, at the center of our own lives. When God rescues his people, he puts them together to live for the benefit of one another. He calls us the body. You have to do some like hermeneutical gymnastics to get away from this. I mean, you have to just basically rip out the New Testament and flush it down the toilet if you think you're not called to live into community. You are. It's everywhere. It's evident. It's abundant. This means, friends, your greatest concern should not be how a church can serve you, but how might you, how might I best serve the church using the gifts God has given us. Now, this is weird, right? This is like upside down to the way that we typically think. Friends, that's what Burke County needs. A community that is focused and centered on Jesus. And it starts with a zeal for the gospel. We have to fight to believe the gospel so that we can see it working out in our community. Listen, there will be people who annoy you. It's gonna happen, okay? There are gonna be people who vote differently than you. There are going to be people who eat differently than you. Maybe that's just me and my wife. There are people, right, who look and live differently than you do. We, friends, should look like a people who have no business being together. Because that's what makes the gospel look glorious. Because when people see this community of people who have nothing in common, look different, act different, but come together under the banner of Christ, it is strange, but it is deeply attractive. It's a supernatural fellowship of people very unlike us to who we are bound with a zealous familial love. This supernatural fellowship will not be complacent, comfortable, or self-satisfied, but a people under pressure, rejoicing in hope, and praying unitedly for the promised future for which they and creation and God himself groans. This, friends, is a gospel community. It's the kingdom made up of the poor and the powerless joined together in the bond of the blood of the Lamb. It's a community built on love. But that love, friends, must overflow. So let's go back to the text and see second, a community that loves. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Let's just pause. What? Bless those Persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Maria to read one more time. That's, that didn't say that. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Oh my goodness, y'all! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? What if we really, and I mean legitimately, really apply this? What if we are a community that so deeply believes the gospel? Right? Jesus isn't a concept. He's a real, living person. That we would see the love of Christ at work in us and through us, even, even when things go wrong. You see, by nature we curse those who curse us. That guy just cut me off. You mother. You said that's what we do. That's what we do. We instinctively think of ways to hit back, verbally and strategically, if not physically. Y'all, I get this. I am the youngest of three brothers. Okay? My brother used to sit on my head and fart. That is not a lie. That is real life. I'm in counseling now. Like, it's a thing, okay? When we thought it was for blood, we meant it. Now, we're the same way, aren't we? Because we don't like getting knocked down. We want to get back up, and we want to grind their noses in the dirt. But, We follow the one who prayed, Father, forgive them. We follow the one who taught us to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate us, and to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who disdain us. And for that to happen, Love needs to be deeply sincere, especially, now this is going to be hard, especially when those who treat us poorly come from within the church. It's easy, right, to give the appearance of love to those who treat us well. Anybody can do that. But to bless those who persecute, y'all, that takes a supernatural community. We're going to need to depend on Jesus for that one. Verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. When I really belong to a community, when you really belong to a community, its successes are your successes. It's disappointments, my disappointments. I mean, we get this, don't we? Like, later this afternoon, when I go watch the Browns with Brad, we will hopefully be celebrating a victory, right? Hopefully. I'm a Browns fan, I get it, all right? Hopefully. Now, when I support the Browns, right, when you support your team, the Panthers, whoever, right? When you support your team, you don't feel envious when your team wins. You don't feel envious when one of your players succeeds. You see, in the body of Christ, we belong to a new humanity, a new body. The test of whether I belong or not has two sides. The first part, the easier part, is to mourn with those who mourn. I say easier because it's easier to be sad with people who are sad. But I think if we're honest, there's even the ugly part of us that thinks, Phew, well, at least it wasn't me. At least it, at least it didn't happen to me. But how hard it can be. To rejoice with those who rejoice. Especially when we ourselves might have wished their happiness in a relationship, their success at work, their wealth, their health, their gifts, or their reputation. Our affections, friends, are naturally disordered so that we are relieved when others mourn and self-pitying when others rejoice. The reason that these disordered affections exist is because we fundamentally have disordered worship. If we hope to live in harmony, with humility, then we must be a gospel-centered people with our gaze firmly fixed on Jesus. Verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable, coals on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good now i am sober minded writing this because we look out into our world and we are overwhelmed there is deep rooted evil it is abundant how will evil be overcome the answer is simple And costly. Evil can be overcome only by good. Verse 17 and 21 kind of bracket this this section, and here's why. By nature, right, we already talked about this, we repay evil for evil, right? We hit back and we take revenge. Friends, this can't be in a community that's marked by grace. We we serve the Prince of Peace. We're called to be peacemakers. Verse 18 is sober and realistic. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you. See, we are to be peacemakers, and yet, in the world as it is, it may not always be possible to make peace. But, if there is conflict, whether that's within your family, with neighbors, in your workplaces, or yes, on social media, it ought to be in spite of us rather than because of us. Verse 19 gives us the reason for not taking justice into our own hands. Even when we've been treated horribly. Here's why. This is what verse 19 says. We are to leave room for God's wrath. That means if we take revenge, we're trying to do God's job. And guess what? We don't do so good. You see, we usually get it wrong because our anger is tainted with selfishness, which means we usually hit back too hard or at the wrong target. Paul here quotes Moses' song from Deuteronomy. In this part of the song, God says he will put things right. He will put things right within his people and against his enemies. He says it is his to avenge, his to repay. That means that justice is God's prerogative. And we don't try to take vengeance into our own hands. God will do it, and God will do it right. So what is a community to you? How do we respond? How do we react? We love our enemy. We who were once enemies of God know what it's like to be far from him. But we also know the welcome of God. The burning coals that are here, right? Are the awakening conviction for our enemies to look at their actions with remorse that by God's grace would bring them to the cross of Christ for hope. I mean, we're all, we're all stirred by things like this. I mean, we read about the Apostle Paul and we think, wow. We see moments of atrocities where people's families are slaughtered and they stand and offer forgiveness. But for us, to extend mercy, extend grace, can be hard. In all of this, we come to the punchline of verse 21. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When you and I see the brokenness of our world, we have to look to Jesus and not retaliate in the same manner that our world has attacked. You see, we can't wage war the same way the world does with the powers of evil. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Do you want to do something powerful? We We love war imagery, right? Then pray for your enemies. Bless, do not curse. Francis Schaeffer said it this way, If Christians win a battle... By using worldly means, they have really lost. I think of Boromir, okay? A couple of you are like, yes. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Lord of the Rings, okay? In the fellowship, there's Boromir of Gondor, right? So he, he's, he is getting it twisted. He goes and tries to take the ring from Frodo. He thinks, I can use the ring better. I can overcome. And he learned the hard way that evil cannot be overcome by a stronger force of the same kind. When someone says something offensive to you, when someone reacts harshly to you, for you to react harshly back is to wage war on their terms. We follow the one who did not retaliate when he was insulted the one who did not threaten when he suffered. The one who instead entrusted himself to the God who judges justly and by doing so overcame evil with good. If if there's a part of you right now that's feeling like, yeah, but that's passive and I can't just let people walk over me. Again, who are you trusting? Do you think that you can handle this better than God? Do you think your wrath can measure up to his? Coram we're called to walk in his footsteps. So long as we are a community that is shaped by grace and therefore, therefore doing good to all, then the most ferocious evil in the world cannot overcome us. So where do we go from here? Look, y'all, I get it. Community in the local church is messy. How do I know? Because it's made up of us. <laughs> We have all experienced hurt. We have all experienced disappointment in the church. We have. And Jesus, the head of the church, understands. For he knows better than anyone the costliness of living in community. He entered the messy and broken world, and guess what? It killed him. For us, for you, for me, to embrace real community, it will entail crucifixion too. It will mean dying to our desires, to our preferences, to our expectations. But on the other side of crucifixion, there's resurrection. We die to self now in order to enjoy true life forever. I hope, I hope you guys have been enjoying Gentle and Lowly. It's been really encouraging for me. Perhaps one of the things that Dane Ortland points out that has stirred me more than anything is that we always think of our faith and our salvation in retrospect, right? Like Jesus had to suffer, Jesus had to die, but friends, Jesus also offers us welcome. It means Jesus likes you. He, he died to, to, to make a way to, to, to extend hospitality, to welcome us. So that means we can welcome one another. We can radically love the brother in our community group who drives us crazy. We can invite into our homes that really awkward sister. We can walk into this place, and we can seek to engage the visitor that comes in in conversation. And we can go beyond sports and weather and politics to discuss how the gospel intersects with our lives, our marriages, our families, our jobs. And the more that intersection happens in our church, the more we're going to be drawn into the lavish love of the triune God. Last week, I gushed with how much I love our town. What I want for Burke County is a rich gospel community that broadcasts the hope of the gospel with genuine love. Let's pray to that end. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the hope that we have in Jesus. Far sweeter, Lord, is the hope of the gospel than the false promises of this world. Far too often, Lord, we, we are ran over and steamrolled by the world, and we think that, that if we get up swinging, that'll fix things it's ingrained in us from the time we were kids, like that we're supposed to fight back. But we look at Jesus, Lord, and we see that through his suffering, through his obedience, Lord, the world is redeemed, restored, made new. Teach us, Lord, to bless, not to persecute. Teach us, Lord, to be a people who cling desperately to you. Teach us, Lord, to be a people who are marked by the hope of the gospel. Forgive us, God, when we lose sight. Call us back to you, Lord. Help us to seek you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo Podcast. You can find us on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.